Hello and welcome to another episode of Contramundum. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I am Andrew Isker and here with me is CJ Engel. Hello, CJ. How are you? How was your week? Good. I was traveling. Uh, went to the great state of Arkansas, poked around a bit. So it was fun. I got to see my brother and his family. So it was uh, it was good. It was enlightening. And yeah, I enjoyed it. Nice, nice. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. So, what did you? What did you do in Arkansas? Did you? Uh, what is there to do in Arkansas? Tell, tell us. Tell us well, <laughs> tell us about this. I was poking around because um, I don't know if you're. I don't know if the audience is aware or you're aware, but California is a politically intense state for people like us. You're telling so, me that for the first time. You uh, know, it's like yeah. it got to be realistic about the future. It's mm-hmm. it's hard for me. I'm. I'm almost like a romantic in the way I approach like my home, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, if, if you, if you look up like the Sierra Nevadas or Colfax where I live, um, it's gorgeous and, and you'll see why, but you know, I've lived here my whole life and this is part of who I am. So it's not, it's not something I take flippantly. A lot of people are moving, especially from the coasts. Um, I would be honored to live in the heartland. I am, you know, there's heartland, sentiments in my blood so it's uh that's why i was poking around there my brother lives there he moved out from california a couple years ago so ah i see so he prepared the uh, ground for you well <laughs> yeah, yeah we were we were looking at some land i want to i want to get some like cattle and you know i want to i want to live the uh i want to live the life over there so you we'll want to be a cowboy okay all we'll right see. but yeah it's it's funny because you know i um i'm also looking at idaho and um montana you know i that th- those are also you know areas that i'm looking at too the thing is i live in you know pine forests so it's it'd be quite the uh you couldn't handle the deciduous uh, forests. uh well we're starting to get some questions so this is good to, because we we build this as uh and ask me anything or ask us anything episode. Uh, so there's a few few questions here. Some of them uh, have already made me laugh, as you could tell. Uh, <laughs> so uh, CJ, I've, which which ones you want to roll with first? Obviously, you know. The well, let big, me just uh, let me just comment on yeah. the Idaho one because I got comments on that. But oh, yeah. uh, so I've I have I've been to Idaho multiple times. I didn't like the southern side. I like Moscow on up. Um, obviously, because it's mountainous, just like it's exactly like where I live. Um, so we thought about that, although like Coeur d'Alene's turned into sort of like a resort town where all these rich liberals are leaving Washington and Oregon and California to go up there. Oh, so I was just I, there. I was just, I can tell you about Coeur d'Alene a little bit. more. I have been there uh, multiple yeah, times. Were, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I have mixed feelings on it, but I agree. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. But it, it reminds me of home. So it's something that I'm I'm open to, but I I don't want to I don't want to leave one area of rich white liberals and move to another area of this of the, where it's kind of like they're all flocking you know i don't want to be part yeah. of the problem so yeah 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 well at the same time most of the guys that i spent time with in Coeur d'Alene, most of them were from california uh and had moved there in the last you know five or ten years right so uh so you maybe fit in there with them uh they were southern californian so um, oh yeah maybe, maybe not i don't know yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah they're, yeah they're from fake california um here's this is a good one this made me this made me laugh um andrew when can we make the sword duel uh, i'm trying to look around my camera uh with james Lindsay happen um you know that's up to james uh there there can only be one uh there, there can only be one highlander and uh so yeah i mean if, if he's up for it you know, I'm I'm not a practice swordsman, but I'm pretty sure I could probably win. 
Uh, so uh, I don't think it'd be very hard. Uh, Ooh, I mean, you would get well. You'd get winded after like twenty seconds. So I mean, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be done, man. Um, yeah. So let's see. We have we have, we have more serious I have a, questions too. I have a question. Um, I have a question from from Twitter from yesterday. Um, okay. He said, "This is. I mean, obviously, this is for you." He said, "Why are the Vikings and all Minnesota pro sports so terrible at disappointing all the time?" Um, because, because we're cursed here, <laughs> this is, this, that's just the reality. Like with this, uh, this area, I, I, I think, you know, there's, there's an ancient corn, uh, demon, uh, curse from, uh, from the, the Sioux Indians, you know, that cursed the land and, and, uh, it, it results in, um, hundreds of thousands of people from the horn of Africa being imported here and all our sports teams being bad. So, uh, there, there you go. <laughs> Um, next question. Next question. Uh, this, I think this, this is good. Um, uh, so friends here, you know, forge and Ava, I went on their show recently, uh, Davis Yunts, the, uh, uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, the lawyer for Michael Cassidy is coming on the show on Monday. What should I ask him? That's really, that's a great get. That's cool. Um, you're familiar with what happened, right? CJ? Uh, yeah, yeah. I do have internet. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I I got tagged in it uh, about no less than fifty times. Like, <laughs> did you see this? <laughs> People texted me all day, um, which is great. I'm so glad that uh, that they wanted me to know about it. Uh, and 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 so yeah. What what um, you know what what would you ask him? I I think I mean from like a practical standpoint, like a practical legal standpoint, what I would ask his attorney is because right now it's like fit fourth degree criminal mischief. Like mm-hmm. you know, a couple hundred dollar fine is mm-hmm. what he'll have to pay. But that's the state of Iowa or the municipality um, mm-hmm. of Des Moines or whatever. Um, and so the thing I would want to know is, is the department of justice going to get involved with like federal hate crimes stuff and try to charge him with a felony? You know, what is the likelihood of that? Uh, maybe, maybe that's something at the same time, like this is an ongoing case and, and it's not a thing that, um, he would want to comment on quite frankly. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I think at the same time, he, you know, I'm not an attorney, so I don't know what the duty necessarily, what the duties and responsibilities of a, of a, a criminal attorney are for his client. But I would think he would – part of it is like managing public relations and wanting the public to be aware that his client could be made into um, uh, a target by the federal government and the Biden administration. Um, and, and so I think I think I would, I would want to know what he thinks the likelihood of that is and what their plan – like what, what is the plan for that? Are they going to continue to raise – uh, funds on give, send, go, because once the federal government is involved, it's no longer a, a minor, you know, legal mm-hmm. fee that you're going to have. Now you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars of legal fees. Right. If it's, so. if it's, if it's a, you know, state level thing, you know, it, it could go away in a couple of weeks. Basically it could be kind of wrapped up. Um, obviously there's still proceedings, but most of those things are pretty like, uh, you could foresee where it's all going. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I mean, the only reason the federal government would get involved is for political, purely political reasons. Oh, of course. Yeah. But, you know, this kind of reminds me of like the other topic, um, you know, everyone's talking about the civil war trailer, you know? Um, yes. So yes. I think they're going, I think they are 
going to use things like this? I mean, this is this is sort of like one of those forks in the road tie eras in American history. Like we are facing a fork in the road and we're going to have to react. And we're going to say like the, the narrative is going to be like, see, these guys are extremist radicals. They watched the Civil War movie and now they're trying to implement like it's total yeah. like yeah. setup. It's total narrative setup. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, they, they need to play this up for political reasons. They need to involve themselves for political reasons because they're crafting the narrative like they're going to turn us into what everyone thought of the Muslim world after 9-11. Yeah. Yeah, that is um, that's a hundred percent what it is. I mean, and you see that the uh, traitorous GOP Congress just uh, passed the FISA Act um, mm -hmm. or just renewed it. Um, the majority of them did. My, I don't think my congressman did, so that's good. Uh, but uh, but they they just passed that because and, and what is. So yeah, like you said, it was it, in, in the past. It was Muslim terrorists, you know, jihadists. Even though even then. Uh, they're so secularized that they wouldn't say that they're like, Oh, Islam's a religion of peace, you know, you know, and uh, uh, they wouldn't say those things, but now, right. They, they create that. Um, I don't want to say boogeyman cause it obviously was real. Um, well, mostly real, um, partly real. Uh, <laughs> we, we can go down that rabbit hole. Um, but they created this, this uh, thing that everybody's afraid of. And then it's easily cut. They can easily cut and paste a different target onto that in it now and that target is uh conservative white uh christians that they want to um they they want to easily say that they're nazis right they want to say that this guy is a nazi and of course nazis uh you are allowed to do violence to on site right mm -hmm. that's um that's what they've they've programmed into the minds of you know the mainstream population and so if they could say that christians are nazis then then it's you know no holds barred right then mm -hmm. then then the gloves are off and they they go nuts mm -hmm. um there was one uh there was one here i want to make sure we get uh because yeah, there's, there's a lot a of questions yeah well we lost andrew he'll be back in a second i think he may have wanted to let's see let's do this one uh he's he's promoting oh there he is he's back uh I'm is back. this the one that you wanted to talk this is a good question um this is a, this is actually a detailed yes. question. Um, yes. My perspective on this might be a little bit different than Andrew's. Um, we'll see. But my thought is see. that yeah. my thought is that generally this is the function of the magistrate, especially the lesser magistrate. Uh, generally, um, yeah. But I also think that um, you know magistrates can who don't perform in their duty um, can create situations where there's sort of a, a state of emergency. And, um, you know, these types of actions, I think it's okay to think of them as legally illegitimate. So like, <clears throat> so for instance, I, I can be okay with this guy actually going onto public property, beheading the satanic statue, and then facing justice and going to jail. I, I'm okay with all of those dynamics. And, but and I, apparently like, so is he, you know. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, like, yeah. I'm okay yeah. with those things. I would like personally... If I was in that situation, I would consider that a just trade-off. Yeah. You know, like like this is this is the way that like even like um, you know, a, a lot of people that have thought long and hard about how to approach regimes, they recognize that there has to be legal consequences for public disorder. 
and they're willing to they're willing to face those consequences in order to make a statement, in order to make a point. So yeah. I, I wouldn't argue I wouldn't argue along the lines of he was he was um, legally justified because it was a I, I think he may have been morally justified. Uh, I think he could have been politically justified, but I think that it's okay for him to face the consequences of these things. But these are still good things to do. We need we need to um, challenge the system in this way. You know. Well, I would, I would, um, yeah, I would agree with you at the same time, and I don't think you would disagree with what I'm going to say. Um, the if I'm on the jury that is um, judging his case, I would nullify. And yeah, 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 for sure. Vote not guilty, right? For uh, sure. But I, but I also the, wouldn't say this is an yeah. outrage of justice if he goes to jail. Yeah, yeah. No. So I put it that way. Yeah, yeah. So I would, I would say he's not guilty because the the way that our completely messed up system views the law and views the First Amendment is is not how it is originally intended ever. Exactly. Like, no yeah. one. No one. I mean, um, in other words, he's creating situations where we can re-specify w- w- the parameters of religious freedom. Because religious yeah. freedom, historically in America, religious freedom was within the boundaries of Christendom. It referred yeah. to the um, the freedom of denominations and you know sub-Christendom uh, groupings. You know, Baptists, Presbyterians, Methodists, you know, even Catholics. You know, depending on your interpretation. But like, there's. That's that's the boundaries of religious freedom. It never was intended to include Satanism, Islam, Hinduism, etc. Right, especially when these things become politically relevant. Yeah, they would. It would. You would. Um, I mean, in in original America, you would you know tolerate if if there for whatever reason were Muslims or Hindus or whatever on your shores, like you would tolerate tolerate them until um, it becomes a political thing. Until they encroach upon uh, the political order and yeah. the religious order in your country, yeah. But right? when you then, put up a when you put up a statue in a public setting like that, you know, within within a state owned, you know, you're obviously that that's a political statement. It's no longer private yeah. like that anymore. And and even like originally, exactly. Like here's here's the other the other point that I was I was about to make um, uh, regarding the First Amendment is. And Ryan Turnipsey had a good tweet about this when that goofball state rep in Iowa um, was. Uh, did you see that that guy? Uh, uh, his comments. I didn't see Dunwell. Uh, Dunwell, Representative Dunwell. Uh, yeah, I didn't see that. He. Uh, oh, you need to. Yeah, you 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 need to be on Twitter more, man. Uh, because this guy this guy's just a clown. Like it was it was just your typical pietistic. Like this guy's a pastor somewhere in Iowa and. And is saying that no, we have religious freedom, and I will defend you know the right of of these people to practice their religion. It's like no, you're like literally defending Satanism, right? You're defending the mockery of Christianity. Is mm-hmm. is in well, they've they've yeah. bought into the reinterpretation of yeah. all these phrases like freedom and, and I believe in the Constitution. Yeah, yeah all these like, things have been. They have all these things. The foundation has been ripped away, and they've been like set into the, um, you know, the post-war uh, ideolo- ideological consensus. So yeah, and the yeah, phrase, so they don't realize that the phrases themselves are different. Like all of these, all these words, the rhetoric, they've, they've all, they all had completely different meanings. Like yeah, if you look at making, like, this one is of an my favorite standard, yeah, yeah, so. exactly. Like, have you seen like the penalties that Thomas Jefferson wanted to apply to homosexuals? <laughs> Uh, I didn't. Uh, they, Thomas Jefferson, of all people, too, you know. Uh, uh, exactly. That's why it's fun to yeah. cite. But yeah, he was an advocate of uh, dismemberment. I should say it that way. Um, <laughs> so, like, these guys did not have 
you know, a 1990s approach to these moral, morally deranged uh, habits and, and norms at all. Yeah, and when you when you think of someone like James Lindsay, uh, who's like, oh, we believe in classical <laughs> liberalism and freedom, and it's like, and and the Constitution and everything else. So like, if if you were in a room with the men that drafted the Constitution, they would think you're insane, mm-hmm. right? They would they would actually like if if James Lindsay was around in 1787, they would have deported him. Mm-hmm. Right, they would have kicked him out of the country. Yeah, <laughs> for suggesting the ideas that that he is like you need no you like after 1789 like man you belong in France you don't belong yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and and so it's it's um and that that's the point that that Turnipseed made is he's like um the incorporation of the First Amendment to the states um and applying it that way didn't exist until 1947 until a, a Supreme Court ruling in 1947. Right. I mean, literally post-war consensus. Mm-hmm. Right. The, these rights, you know, so-called did not exist mm-hmm. un- until the mid 20th century as uh, in the freedom and the con- the Constitution that you build, like. That's that's always the question that I ask. Right. People when they're like because uh, there were, you know, one one of the tweets I sent about it, uh, you know, kind of blew up. And of course, you have all of these um, idiot leftoids uh, that that are like it violated, you violated the First Amendment. And he's violated the constitution. And I'm like, which constitution? Mm-hmm. Right. Which one, which constitution? Right. Mm-hmm. And they, they don't know. They, they like, they can't even understand what, you know, I'm asking <laughs> right? yeah. so the U S constitution. Like, but which one? Right? Yeah. Which one? Yeah. Which yeah. one? Yeah. Uh, and they, 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 don't, study, they don't get that. People need to study the incorporation. I mean, this is, this is what, um, Stephen Wolf always harps on, you know, people are like, ah, oh, the first amendment, there should be no religious tests. He goes, what's the first word of the first amendment? Congress. This yeah. is this is binding yeah. on Congress because yeah, people just have no conception of the original structure of our legal system. Our no, political legal n- system. not whatsoever. Not 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 at all. Um, do you want to see? One? There's a yeah. There's a there's another. Um, okay, yeah. So me, I'm, yeah. So do, yeah. Let me read it. You go ahead. Yeah. So um. Let's see. So he was, yeah, my, my advice. So for these, for these situations is, um, do what, um, benefits you basically like right now, like continue to raise your family, be a good, Amer- like learn about the American system and, 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 and assimilate yourself basically yeah. into our traditions yeah. and our heritage. That would be the most beneficial. If you really do agree with us on everything, do that. Like no one's coming after you personally. Right. Like that's, I'm not, I'm not interested in drawing a map with pinpoints of all these micro cases of people. Um, you know, I, I'm into more of the macro, you know, what are the macro trends? First of all, stop immigration right now. It's the very first thing. Just stop all immigration. Then we can start deportations, you know, and things like that. And, but like, just as for your own personal situation, just keep doing what you're doing and, and be a good citizen. Like, I don't have any yeah. advice for you. Like, you know, just stay, stay, keep your head. If we win, you know, keep your head down and, and, you know, trust in God and see what happens. But like, these are, these yeah. are big macro problems. I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in like going door to door, you know, checking people like that. <laughs> are you, so it, what, what kind of like the civil war clip, like what kind of American are you? You know? Yeah, like, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, well, and, and not only that, like, uh, people always bring up like the outliers of um, which at this point they are outliers. Like um, if you go back and listen to the Michael and the one episode that we did on the Michael and or a couple of, we did two episodes on the Michael Anton unprecedented article where we just talked about the like rate of immigration and things like that, that, that it's 
uh, just astounding. There's there's literally no precedent in world history for an empire to do what what America's done. Yeah, and uh, and so people will always like bring up the and that there there is zero assimilation, right? There's no none whatsoever going on. Um, and so people will always bring up the outlier. They'll, they'll be like, "Well, I know this mm-hmm. one immigrant f- that family from wherever, and they love America and they love American history and they've they've totally bought into you know our way of life and and everything else." So and, and so the argument people will make because of that, because of the exception, is all immigrants are like that. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, no, we, we know that's yeah. not true at all. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, all but also like, it's like, because, and, because these but, things are so complicated, like you yeah. go, like, you can either just walk away from everything and just let it all happen and face the consequences of that. Or you can actually address it and then make some mistakes along the way. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, affect people who are actually, you know, maybe decent or whatever you, there's no perfection. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no. no immigration perfection. So no, I'd isn't. rather say I'd rather save the country, um, you know, and, and make mistakes on the individual level than you know, err on the other side and just let the entire country just go to ruin for the sake of the exceptions. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And 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 like the exception, like proves you know, again, proves the rule. Um, and and I think I think we all pretty much know different examples of people that that did assimilate despite the pressure to not assimilate. Uh, to American culture and, and way of life and so forth. And, um, and, and so it is, it's, a, it is messy, right? Like what you said, mm-hmm. but I think for like, for Sam here, his individual case, like you said, uh, just could continue to um, c- continue to uh, raise your family, be, be faithful to the Lord and, and be faithful where you're at. Right. And that's, also, that's and also, needs to be done. And also, I, I would also say, you know, speak out in defense of your host country, you know, yeah. um, you know, learn yeah. their learn their way, learn their history, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and defend their ways. Um, it's never been, you know, immigration is never an absolutist situation. You know, we yeah. like like people, you know, powerful white liberals are way more dangerous to this country than some random, um, you know, pick a country, you know, I- yeah. immigrant, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if they are coming to like the, the small few that like actually care about America and want to want to be part of it and, and truly mm-hmm. want to be Americans. Um, that's, that's always, you know, that that's, that's always the thing is right. Nobody's ever talking about them when we're talking about immigration in the macro sense. Right. Yeah. Uh, because it's such a, it's such a tiny group. Um, mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be like that, like in a, in a, in a more ideal situation, you could have immigration from from all sorts of different countries, right? A small level of immigration, and it wouldn't it wouldn't affect the country as a whole, mm-hmm. right? And and when you have a small enough you know level of immigration, it would necessarily incentivize assimilation for for those groups, right? Right. right. That's that's what it would do, um, mm-hmm. and and that's the only way um, because. Right. What Sam's doing here is, is like swimming upstream. Right. He's going, he's doing it all in hard mode. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is, mode a, is, is, is hating America. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And you, get re- you get rewarded for that. Um, exactly. I, I think this is an underrated point. Um, when we talk about assimilation, like people want to assimilate to, um, you know, the, the world that was the American world that was created in the 1970s and 1980s. But that's a yeah. dangerous type of assimilation because I yeah. actually don't belong in that America. 
you know, yeah. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. you know, like, like that's like when I, when, when there was that meme going around, like what kind of American are you? Like, and I, and I posted uh, Charles Lindbergh, like my mindset yeah. is like 1940s, you know, before, like I, I pre, have no world war two. Yeah. yeah pre world war two uh, America. And so, yeah, yeah, that's, so that's the problem with assimilation. In fact, what they're trying to do right now, what, what Taylor Swift is about, what all this international yeah. capital is about is getting my kids to assimilate to the new America. I, I am say, not. You know the I mean? problem, yeah. the the problem of assimilation, um, is assimilating our people to the American way of life that existed until, you know, Globo Homo took over in the mid mid twentieth century, right? Mm -hmm. Assimilating everyone to actual America, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's the greater chance, whether they're born here or not, but especially if they're born here and and from here, yeah, uh, assimilating them because. Like, that's that's the entire globalist project is deracinating all of humanity from their historic ways of life, right? Right, not just in America but globally, uh, and turning them into you know billions of Swifties, like you said. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. that's the point, right? That's the entire point is is just modal consumers, yeah. right? Is is what is what they want, and and so that's 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 exactly it, like the. Um, it, even, even like, do we even still have that culture left? I mean, I think we do, but it is so, um, suppressed and yeah. isolated and so, it's, it's, it's here in little, uh, flashes and starts and, and, and things like that, mm -hmm. but it's not, it's not widespread anymore. This is um, like another reason, like just, just in my own life, you know, think about leaving California, um, California where I live, it's, um, there's not a lot of like crime or like gay move, gay movement stuff. It's not Hollywood or it's not the Bay area, but it is like so hyper consumeristic. There's so much prosperity here that there's just absolutely zero interest culturally in returning to trad America. And like, so my, my interest in leaving California is not because of the crime or, or any of mm -hmm. that stuff. I mean, even, even the minority presence is relatively smaller compared to other parts of California, but it, there's just it's it's like the entire culture here is like Ben Shapiro, like that's yeah. the Republican Party Ben Shapiro, and it's like it's so uh, you know obnoxious basically. You know when I went to yeah. Arkansas, there are people who are like, like have in fact a lot of them mentally just haven't even left Chad America. So yeah. like there yeah. there is that presence in the heartland, and I'm far more interested in preserving that than I am in um you know building a new uh you know Charlie Kirk outlet or something. This is a this is a good one here um, on the topic of Vivek. Uh, we've talked about Vivek before. We did with, with Nate Fisher. Uh, we had a good episode there. It, it took off in that's our most downvoted episode we've ever had because a lot of people in India watched it and they didn't like what we had to say. <laughs> like I looked at the metrics of it. It was like all these cities in India are watching it. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> they didn't they didn't like uh, they didn't like that we were anti. Uh, uh, I mean, we weren't super anti-Vivek. We were just uh, opposing what he had to say about meritocracy. And um, on, on this point, I mean, some of it is like you have to understand Vivek. Um, I don't is... know. I, yeah, I have, I'm like cautious about him. I wish I wish. I mean, he's he's hilariously bold. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like him. Um, I like yeah. him and he's entertaining. And like I saw the town hall, a clip of the town hall where he's talking about like J6 and the, you know, huh. The 90 IQ interviewer just kept talking over him about like, there's no evidence that the government was involved. There's no evidence. There's no evidence. And he's like, when Congress questioned the FBI, they didn't say how that there were no FBI agents there. They just refused to say how many. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> so like, obviously they were there. That's the, that's all the evidence you need. Um, but I mean, he did really well on that. Uh, and the way he framed it, right. He is, um, he's a salesman, right? Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I, I think that's why like he and Trump are, you know, stand out, not just because they're, they, they say things that are outside the, uh, GOP, um, you know, boilerplate stuff. It's, it's also that they are, are good at framing things from, you know, from the standpoint of like a guy selling a product. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're good at it. And, and so he, the way he, he framed that is like, okay, if you told me about J six in, in 2021 and said that it's, you know, the government's involved in it and, and it was, it was entrapment and, and, and things like that. He said, I, I would have thought that was crazy, but then you look at the fact that they withheld all of the footage of, of, of what happened and all the videos of the police letting people in, like waving them inside. Um, and, and when you find out about like the Gretchen Whitmer, uh, plot, and that was a hundred percent entrapment, um, mm-hmm. and they, they, all, the jury of the men that were tried, all, all of them, you know, voted not guilty because they, they saw, they saw the evidence of what happened. And it's the same FBI that is involved in, in January 6th, like same department of the FBI. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, right. He's, he's framing this and like, and is, is very, very persuasive. And he, like, remember he's in like enemy territory. He's in CNN, right. Town hall and like CNN viewers watching him. Um, and, and he, um, he acquitted himself very well, but the problem with Vivek is right. This is, this is kind of the thing of, of who he is and is, he he is saying everything that we want to hear, right? Uh, and he he's carefully crafted a message of everything that we want to hear because he knows that's what we want to hear, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, does yeah. he actually believe anything he's saying? I don't <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know at all. Um, uh, yeah. So it's like it it is funny. Like like even with Trump, like we keep relying on these like international capitalists like a you know um, cosmopolitan rootless cosmopolitan types from the coasts to save us you know so yeah. it's like it's fine to get on board with his message and consider him a general positive for- i mean i mean just the fact that now we're allowed to say great replacement on mainstream media yeah, i mean because he said it you know like thank you for your up. service thank you for your yeah. service like seriously that's good that's a yeah. good positive force whether it's going to actually be whether he's actually someone that we should rally around politically um it, it doesn't really matter He's no. like, you know, it's, it's, it's not what we, uh, we need someone from the heartland. We need a du- dusty Devers. You know, we need people yeah. like this. That's yeah, the thing. Exactly. That's, gonna, that's, that's yeah. something we should talk about too, is Dusty's, um, Dusty's uh, victory this week. But, um, but it, again, yeah, like the same thing with Trump. It, I mean, some of it is like the primary is over Trump, Trump's won. It's, it's done. I mean, it, it and so I, I'm not so interested in questions, even, even like when, when people, and I, I'll bring up DeSantis uh, and I know people will be upset. It's like, Oh no, I love DeSantis. He's the guy. Um, it's, it's over. I mean, Trump's mm-hmm. the guy regard you, know, whether, whether you want him to be or not. And mm-hmm. so now it's, it's time to begin thinking, uh, in terms of the election, you know, going forward from, from that standpoint. Yeah. And you can't think in terms of what is the, what is Trump going to do? How is he going to change the way that he did things from last time? You have to think he's a vehicle. He's a catalyst yeah. for you to express your actual political will. So that's what Trump has yeah. to be to you. He's not the solution. He's probably going to hire Jared Kushner again. Did you see that? So it's it's not it's not Trump. It's it's what Trump means. It's it's Trump as a repudiation of the narratives. You know, that's 
That's yeah. what Trump is for. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, let's see. Let me, let me, we get a lot, a lot of questions here. Um, uh, let's see here. Um, oh, this is a good one. Uh, uh, for me, you could, you could talk about this too, CJ, even though this is not your, uh, particular, you know, view, uh, on, on, you know, preterism in general. Although I think you probably have some, you know, or you've like at least been delving into some, well, no, I have preterist views on yeah. like on, on a lot of like what like like Jesus and in, in Matthew twenty four. Like Matthew twenty four, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, I I take your view on all that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I think and I think like a lot of like Amil guys do uh, mm-hmm. when you're reading the the New Testament. It's like how how else can you you read it? Uh, well, I mean, once once um, the destruction of 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 Jerusalem is in your head, right, and you're you're reading the new Testament in light of what happened in 70 AD, it's hard not to think about it in those terms, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't pretend that, that, that didn't happen or, or, or that it did happen, but it's, it's insignificant and unimportant. Um, and, and, and a lot of, I mean, I think, I think the thing for me, the thing that, that led me to, you know, the partial preterist views that I have on the new Testament is, is that is actually like, um, beginning to understand the old Testament and the old covenant system. Um, uh, and, and just delving into that deeply, right. Understanding how, how significant and meaningful it was to God's yeah. plan in the world. I think and the that, partial... and that coming to an, that coming to an end is a huge yeah. deal, much exactly. bigger deal than people make it. It actually makes like a lot of sense. Like you, I mean, it's, it's almost like not even an eschatological point. It's like if you study the dynamic, the relationship between the covenants, um, yeah. you can see a lot of like there's a continuity between that and then Jesus's teachings there. And you can kind of see yeah. that just the collapse of the old world and the creation of the new right there. Like yeah. you can you can it's just so obvious once you just study um, covenant theology uh, yeah, in, in exactly. any of its various types. I mean, the, the relationship between yeah. the two does a lot to give foundation to his views there. I mean, what Jesus was saying was literally that. All these things that you see, this is this is the um, the periphery of your entire sociological world, and it's over. Yeah. It's over right yeah. now. You're going to see it end. You know it that's coming to an end. It yeah. makes and, way more sense than this weird, like present tense conversation about thousand years in the future situation. I just can't make well, sense and it, of that. And it it, it neatly um, it, it it brings things to a, a neat and uniform um, end. Right in, in the sense that, right, if you don't think, if you don't have a um, a very strong view of, of 70 AD and the meaning of the destruction of the temple, um, and and that's just kind of a historical footnote, right, um, and and not a big deal, then then it's like, well, what exactly happened to the old covenant? Is it still in operation in some way? Is it kind of hanging out there somewhere? Um, and a lot of like the premillennial dispensational view, which is the majority view in evangelicalism today. Uh, a lot of that is, it is, it, it is kind of nebulous where it's like, Oh, is it still a kind of exist? I don't really know. Um, you know, it's still kind of hanging out there somewhere. Whereas here it's like, that's the conclusive end. It's over. It's done. And so to the, to this question here, um, how do you guard against it? I think, I think some of it is, I don't, um, I don't, I did come at, like you said, um, you know, a preterist view of, of much of the new Testament from an eschatological standpoint, right. Where I'm trying to prove a system of eschatology. 
I'm trying to understand covenant theology. Right. Right. And so it doesn't, it doesn't cause me to think then, well, I guess that means everything is fulfilled in the, in the new Testament. Right. Where it's like, no, well, no, it's not like resurrection of the dead hasn't happened yet. Right. right. And, uh, and so I think, I think a lot of the time people um, get into full preterism because it's only an eschatological thing, right? It's only to try to figure out the, you know, seeming eschatological passages in the new Testament and try to decipher them and, and using, you know, 70 AD as the decoder ring. And then, then you start to view everything as Mm -hmm. unlocked with that decoder ring rather than saying, okay, here's what historic Christianity has always said about the resurrection of the dead and so forth. And and then you're able to hold to the creeds. It's never that it's never something that uh, you're even really tempted by. Yeah. Uh, Let's get to this question. Um, You Uh and I are, are seasoned fathers (laughs) of daughters of, of young. Yeah. Well, at least of young, you know, my oldest daughter's nine. Yeah. So ask me in the process of being, we're in the process of being seasoned, (laughs) but for first time fathers. um, Yeah. I think my advice is uh, don't take advice from the internet. You yeah, know, at all. <laughs> like, also, trust your gut. Don't listen to the experts. That's like my biggest advice. Like to anybody mm-hmm. who asks, is don't just trust your gut, and also don't overthink it. Babies yeah. are actually, it, it's not quite true, but there's this meme like I, the elites don't want you to hear this, but but kids are actually free. It's not quite true, but like yeah. you don't need yeah, to yeah, pay yeah. for all this stuff. You don't need to have like special baby food and like special equipment. You know, you don't need to take them to the doctor once a week. Like it's actually really easy, you yeah. know, just don't overthink it. That's my, that's my thing. And I, I'm, we're very much, my, my wife and I are very much like natural. Like we don't really participate in much of anything in corporate America, especially related to our kids. Um, so I, I'm coming that from a very biased perspective and maybe you're not as extreme as I am, but I would just say, trust your gut and uh, don't, don't, um, don't be first in line to obeying what the experts tell you you need to do. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a good one. I, I think also too, um, there isn't like a lot of people want to look for a like a rule book of here are the rules of how to raise a child and follow this formula and your like kids a manual. will turn out if yeah. you if you follow this. And that's not that that doesn't work at all. I mean, a lot of it uh, because every single child is different, um, and so. I would, um, and, and what we've tried to, to do is, is recognize that, that each of our kids is different. And, and what, what kids tend to do, um, is they, they reveal who you are, um, to the entire world mm-hmm. and what you're good at and what you're bad at and, and where you're, where you're, you know, faithful and, and working really hard and where you're lazy. Um, and so it, when you have children, it, it forces you to, to examine yourself and, and to be, to be a lot better than you are. And it forces, and it, and it reveals just how, um, selfish and, and narcissistic you are. And especially a lot of it is like our entire society's conditioned for you to, to encourage you to be narcissistic and, mm-hmm. and self-interested. And the act of having a child is like just rebellion against that. Uh, but all of, all of that is still there where you, then you, you like wake up and realize like, I have another human being I'm taking care of and responsible for. And it, and you know, that child forces you to uh, learn to begin to be less selfish. And, and so I, I, I would say just uh, be aware of that and lean into that more 
and and think about these things because like it's so much easier to uh, with with anything to do the uh, path of least resistance, yeah. And with especially with children, mm-hmm. and you have to be conscious of, all right, I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do the easiest thing. Like the easiest thing for for people today with their kids is like just you know you take them out to eat and they're fussy or whatever. Like here's an iPad to pacify right. you. While yeah, we're yeah, yeah. Like you're gonna like, resolve. That, don't. Do not do that. Like you're resolve to not that. do those things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're going to regret. Like seriously, like I can't yeah. emphasize that enough. It's like, it's such an easy way to handle the situation, but you will regret it. You're training and wiring their brain when you do yeah. things like that. Don't do it. And that's like a, that's just, that's like a, a synecdoche for like everything in parenting, modern parenting yeah, today for sure. is do not follow the path of least resistance whatsoever. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you see that with like the medical stuff where it's like, oh, just do, just sign up for whatever the pediatrician tells you to do. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, we're not going to, we're going to do our own yeah. research. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to do what we, uh, yeah. what we feel is best for our child, even though, even if it's harder, yeah. right? Same thing with like homeschooling. Especially with else. like, especially with like uh, family pressures. Um, that's, yeah. That, yeah. that gets, that gets a little bit uh, sticky for sure. Oh, absolutely. And so, I mean, resolve to, right. This is your family. You're going to do what you're going to do no matter what anybody else says. And you're going to, you're going to do things the hard way if you have to, because the mm-hmm. hard way in, in trash world is the, the best way. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's all I got for parent. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I could say way more, but um, um, at the same time, it's like, you know, we're just, we're just two, uh, two randos on the internet. Oh yeah. And, 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 <laughs> that's the other thing like, is we're it, internet people too, you know, like, uh, don't listen to us. <laughs> no, no, for sure. And that's, that's the other thing. That's the other thing about it too, is like, you literally make it up as you go, so to speak. Yeah. Like I don't have any instruction manual. I'm learning as I go. And yeah. it's just, that's just how you have to do it. And that's the best way to do it too. So, all right, Andrew, new question. What do you got? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I do happen to own a pair of, uh, of uh pit vipers uh that i bought a few years ago um so uh, you know that's that's fun i guess do they have you know, summer just, do they have summer where you live uh it's very brief it lasts a couple weeks uh-huh. and uh yeah yeah you know you you know you uh it, it's um i you you want to do things that are just a little bit dangerous mm-hmm. right that's what you do for uh for the wbs right you yeah. uh you you want to uh you want to do things that are a little little dangerous, a little wild, uh and fun. Mm-hmm. Right? It's about having fun. That's mm-hmm. that's how how about you CJ? What uh um uh, how do you <laughs> how do you Man. celebrate? Well, it's all about jumping like who who can it's out it's out competing this is, each This is what? our Kwanzaa, by the way. This is our Kwanzaa and Black History yeah. Month is is how we <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's for us. It's it's for us. You know, it's you and the boys have to go out um, to the river and see who can jump off the highest rock and in, into the river off the cliff there. Um, you know, it's, right. it's a little yeah. friendly competition and, and that inaugurates uh, summer. You know, and the earlier you do it, you know, you have to brave the colder, colder water. But, you know, that's part of whiteboard summer. So. That's it. Yeah, th- here's a this is this is one here too about about the book of, of Revelation. I, I think the little book in Revelation, and I'm I'm persuaded of this, and I don't know how much you know how deep I want to you know get into the details here, but the little book in in Revelation is the scroll that um that Daniel sealed up at the end of the book of Daniel, right? So he has this scroll and he's told to seal it up and write these things down, and then and then 
And then we never hear about it again, the rest of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, huh, that's interesting. I guess we'll just forget about that. Or is it, all right, here's this scroll that's been sealed up that now is unsealed and, and John is reading, right. That makes, that makes a lot more sense. So is the little, I don't, I don't know if it's the same as Ezekiel, um, <clears throat> but uh, I definitely identify it as, as the one in, uh, in the book of Daniel. Um <clears throat> Excuse this me. guy this guy's kind of a troll though <laughs> i'm surprised you took his question <laughs> that's all right i i i i appreciate some trolling it's okay yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's cool uh <laughs> yeah yeah what that's is wesley <laughs> that's that cool uh anyway uh there was another there was another good yeah so let's see um oh yeah what do you think about this uh, one of five voters uh, admitted to committing some form of voter fraud. I didn't see this. This I didn't is uh, surprising. This is actually this that is many. yeah. This is interesting. One out of five voters admitted to committing some form. So, I mean, does that entail like? Well, let, let's change. Um, let's 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 use this to talk about um, just real quick, like thirty seconds of uh, Josh Abatoy's questions. Is it politically legitimate uh, for us to counter all the election fraud, like just hypothetically, with a um? with a, like, how would I say it carefully, with a tactic of our own to, you know, approach, you know, to approach election, electioneering, is that, is that like somehow immoral? Um, is it immoral? Right. Uh, I, 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 I think when, when I have no hesitation, when the tooth gets out of two, man, like when one side is doing it, it's kind of like, like when you're at war, and the other side says, you know, we're not going to take prisoners. Anyone who surrenders, we're just going to we're going to shoot. Um, you don't have a moral duty to not respond in kind. Right. You don't say, oh, we're better than the other side. We're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Once once the other side like that's that's why you had rules of war, uh, at least in um, you know post-Westphalian nations. Mm-hmm. Right. That was universally recognized. Uh, and, I mean, it's a, it's a hallmark of Christendom, too. Um like that's why you had these rules, not because you're right. You thought, oh, we we care so much about the dignity of human life that we are we're we're not going to do these things. I mean, you, that that's also a consideration. I mean, that's why it existed. But you did that because you you respected the other side because you didn't want that do them doing that to your guys. Mm-hmm. And so, if in the in the proxy warfare that is electoral democracy, if they're not going to abide by the rules of war then you don't have any moral reason to abide by those rules either. Right. right? That's uh, now I'm not, again, I want to caveat this by saying I'm not telling people to go commit uh, crimes. That's illegal. Don't do it. Don't, mm-hmm. uh, don't do anything that we, we are against breaking the law on the Contramundum podcast, hundred percent against it. So mm-hmm. uh, don't anything we say here, we're not saying break the law. Don't do that. Uh, even, even like with the, the Satan statue thing, it's like, well, that's, that's the law. He broke it and he's, he's probably mm-hmm. going, he's going to face trial and, and, and probably get convicted. I hope he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, I would vote to acquit if I was on the jury, mm-hmm. but we're, we still have a system of law. There's, or, there's some semblance of order. I mean, it's very, very fragile right now yeah it's uh, not even but- it's not even about like um yeah it's also about just um you don't want to <laughs> it's stupid to like go out to an army that's against you with a knife and just like yeah i gotta get them and then you're dead like yeah, it doesn't help right. anybody it doesn't help anybody to be stupid it doesn't help your family to go chaotic you know you have to be strategic minded so let me let me answer this question too um 
because I, I see this question as sort of like um, it's sort of an analogy of um, leaving the, the the entire 20th century ideological paradigm. I think libertarian, like I've expressed this multiple times. I think libertarianism is all the instincts of um, like, like enlightenment philosophy taken to their logical conclusion. Um, So, so for me, I mean, on one hand, you could say like, they're trying to trans our kids. Like, let's, let's not even like, why are we talking about like the privatization of outer space? Like, you know what I mean? On one hand, there's that, like, we need to like be realistic about what's happening. On the other hand, I began to realize that society and political society is not an ideological construct. It's not a blueprint. We're not sitting here drawing out the ideal system. Um, everything is a given. This is the old Burkean approach to things. Everything is a given. Society and the social order is a given. It's something that we find ourselves involved in and we have to take part in it. So you can't you can't approach political problems in terms of creating the ideal system. You have to approach political problems in, in light of um, the structures that are already there and participating in those. So I think I shifted from an idealistic view of political theory to a realistic um, view of, of political mm-hmm. theory. And I think that's the difference between authentic conservatism and things like classical liberalism and libertarianism. Um, I think that shift right there, and that's why neoconservatives are actually more liberal than they are conservative, because they think of things in terms of like ideals and changing the world, making it a better place, uh, things like that. I, I don't think in those terms anymore. I think of what's good for my people. I think in terms of what's good for um, the thing, the, the way of life that I love and I'm committed to. Um, and that's sort of like the, the beginning of my shift away from libertarianism. It's just this rejection of blueprint, ideological, idealistic thinking toward a more realistic uh, approach to things. And the thing about realism is going back thousands of years, everything's always been about realism. Everything's always been about like, you know, man considering where he is in light of the the, the society and the social structures around him and taking part uh, in, in that. And that's kind of how life has always been. This is like what Burke said. You, this is what, this was Burke's criticism of the French revolution and Thomas Paine. You can't start over from scratch. You have to you have to build upon what you have and you have to preserve it because once you tear down the structures, you're not going to get utopia. You're going to get dystopia. And that was that's always been like this was Joseph de Maistre in France. This is what the this is the entire counter-revolutionary um, point of view is that you have to you cannot think in terms of starting from scratch. You can't be little like, um, you know, Rousseau's. You have to think in terms of preserving what you have. Uh, and, and we live in an age where you know, conserving the institutions is, is a stupid idea. But even still, you can't burn it all to the ground and start over with this ideal system. You have to realize that um, you, you have to engage in political struggle, you know. So that was kind of, you know, a brief yeah, I think I, I probably went the same direction for the same reasons that you did too, even though it's, mm-hmm. it's not a question for me. Nobody cares what I, what, you know, they only care about CJ, uh, but uh, you, because you're much more articulate uh, and than I am, but I, I, it was, it was the same thing like with, with like foreign policy um, mm-hmm. where I think, I still think like libertarians are, are largely really, really good on um, at least, at least critiquing it and analyzing it. Um, but uh, ultimately foreign policy decisions are not made in, in the idealistic realm where it's not like, okay, what's, what's the best possible thing? What, what is the, the ideal, like what is the principle that we should use to, to do X, Y, or Z it they're, they're in the realm of realism. 
where it's mm-hmm. like, here's, here's the political power we have. Here is the, the, the world power that we have uh, in, in geopolitics. All right. How do we defend it? Right. What is, what is the, what is the right thing to do? I mean, just like when we talked about like Kissinger last week, right. It's a, it's a question of, right. It's not a question of, okay, is bombing Cambodia good or bad? Right. Well, in a vacuum, of course, bombing Cambodia is very bad. You're killing a lot of people, but it, it's not in a vacuum, right? It's mm-hmm. not, not ceteris paribus, right? It's not all things being equal. You have, you have this massive war with the, with communism that you are trying to get out of and it, that's, that's bleeding you dry. Uh, how do you, how do you achieve, you know, victory while getting out? Right. That's mm-hmm. the question. Uh, so it's this, it's, it's things like that. Um, and it's the same thing with like, you know, approaching, like withdrawal from Afghanistan is similar, right? How do you get out of there? I think actually Trump did a very good job where they, they negotiated peace for, uh, for, um, for Afghanistan, where they essentially allowed the Taliban to, to, to take over without, without killing everybody and, and negotiate an end to the war while, while still actually maintaining a very small American troop presence there in like Bagram air base. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And that could have, that could have lasted for a hundred years. Right. It wouldn't yeah. have been onerous to the American people or to Afghanistan for that. Mm-hmm. Matter. It would have been like a Guantanamo Bay sort of situation, um, which is is what it is. You know, it's um, it's 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 uh, it, it, you have to deal with you have to deal with reality as it is rather than how you wish it would be. Um, and so oh, Thomas has one for me now. Uh, let's see what he has. Uh, uh, for me, uh, what is your assessment of what Lightheart and Woods are trying to do with their ecclesiocentric post-liberalism? Um, yeah, I think that's a that's a good question. Um, I, uh, I I think I mean I'm not. Uh, I mean some guys are are very um, rancorous about this um, and and think it's 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 nuts and insane and, and very bad. Um, I I get what they're they're trying to do. I don't think I necessarily agree because I don't. Um, I think I think uh, I probably agree with Wolf at this point on ecclesiocentrism, um, but at the same time, I I, I I don't um, I, I understand it, especially from like this post millennial perspective and from like Peter's um, his reformed Catholic perspective, where he wants the Catholicity of the church. And that's his big priority, which it should be. He's a, he's a pastor and a theologian. Um, and, and so, um, I didn't, I didn't know that. Oh, Thomas says, uh, lighter is positive towards Schmidt. Apparently that's, uh, I, send me, you know, Thomas, if you can send me where, 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 uh, Peter has said that I, I'm not, I'm not shocked by this, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm heartened by it. Um, but I, I think, uh, it, it's a question of, you know, more so of, Right. Um, what, what is the priority of the church? Right. It should be, it, it should be promoting the unity of the church and, um, and the church's place in society. Um, and although I, I would maybe disagree and maybe I should, maybe I should read what, what, uh, Woods has been saying lately. Cause I haven't read, uh, James Woods, uh, stuff, um, as, as much. So maybe, maybe send me some more things so I can, I can comment more and, and, and parse it some more. Um, let, let, let me do this one real quick. Oh, <laughs> yeah, um, but like, this is actually an interesting question. Uh, uh, I mean, what, how I interpreted this was like, um, is it, is it a, uh, is it a narrative that the, the German 
like like Nazi party, the people involved, were they like sort of influenced by like paganism and like in all that, or were they um, like regard like I'm not talking about revisionism stuff. Like, do you think that this was just like a allied propaganda, or do you think this was real? I haven't I haven't really studied it. There's a there's an interesting book that shows that some of them were into this. Um, it's I, I wonder if some of them were kind of it was kind of like the meme of their time, like where they were just so desperate to capture something from history because there were obviously some of them were like christian and some of them were against mm -hmm. this stuff um what's the guy like uh von papen or whatever his name was he was kind of like a traditional catholic you know so some of them had that but i i do wonder if if this um you know whether there was like a, a pagan presence in in their thinking do you have you studied this at all um yeah a little bit i mean i think i think there was um and, and so part of it is you know, it's it's sort of similar to like uh, what a lot of like uh, wignats and stuff do today, where they they um, they want guys to go back to uh, the the religion of our ancestors, which was like Norse religion and worshiping Odin and Thor and things like that. Um, so there was there was I think there there really was a recovery project in in Germany in the in the early twentieth century of of Germanic paganism. I think I don't think it's just a troll. Um, but I think it's probably it's much more overblown uh, because pe a lot of people want to say that uh, that it was totally dominated by paganism. Like I, I think um, you know the main guy himself uh, was was you know, more or less thoroughly occultic and and pagan um, in his in his views uh, in his religious views. Um, but uh, I mean, there's so much there's so much so many like so many myths and lies regarding the middle of the 20th century that it's hard to know what is propaganda and what is legitimate. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's, I think the kind of the root of this question. Um, but I, I think, I mean, some of it too is like within the context of like 20 or 19th century and, and 20th century um, religion in Germany, um, you, you have to, bear into mind like they were much more advanced in their sector not necessarily secularism but in their in the de-christianizing tendencies of all the christian institutions in germany that the mm -hmm. that atheism and unbelief had, had really taken a toll on, mm -hmm. on them and was was massively exacerbated by the first world war um and that, that there was a crisis of faith throughout all of western europe after the first world war right, right. um i mean these I think we, we do not uh, adequately um, uh, give credit to or, or understand just how devastating that, that conflict was, not just in material terms and economic terms, but in, in like spiritual and psychological terms Yeah, that it is. Um, <laughs> we'll get to this one in a second. Yeah. Go uh, ahead. Jonathan, um, that, uh, that, I mean, this industrialized warfare, the first time really ever that you have this mass industrialized warfare where millions of people are fighting all, and fighting and dying and being blown to bits all at once for years. Mm -hmm. um, I can see how that would rattle people's faith in, in God and in the transcendent where, and, and you just become mere materialists, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a reason why that happens. So I think it, it, it was like ripe ground for reasserting a, a religion of dominance um, that, that is historic. Plus, when your identity as a people is being attacked, you want you you go f as far as you can to recover uh, what you view as your identity. So they, they would go back to that. So that's that's part of it. Even like the the symbol of of the swastika is a uh, uh, was a 
was an Indo-European symbol that was all uh, that's all over the place, right? That's why they adopted it, right? As right. as an emblem of of uh, Germanic peoples, yeah. um, and so yeah, I, I think it I, I, maybe it's overblown um, for propaganda purposes, but it it's absolutely was there for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. I agree. All right, Andrew. Which one is superior? Um, put, your, put your gloves well, on. What, uh, how are we determining superiority? Uh, yeah, I know. One, we have we, we have a lake called Lake Superior. Uh, <laughs> oh, that, that should solve ouch. the question right there. Uppercut. Uh, you, you don't have that. You have you have an ocean. You have a, <laughs> you have a peaceful ocean. Uh, <laughs> peaceful. Yeah, the Pacific peaceful? Ocean. Yeah. yeah, it's not peaceful. Yeah, it's, it's not peaceful. It's named. Well, Lake is that Superior, what it's superior though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, it's just funny. Like I, um, I love America. Like it's, there's yeah. so many great places here. It's, it's so, it, it's, it's hard to like have the, I mean, obviously like I'm personally attached to California in a way that Andrew's personally attached to Minnesota. The history of this country is just so fascinating. And like, I, it's hard to find like, superior states and uh inferior states although the east coast is basically inferior like new There's jersey some inferior states <laughs> in jersey yeah. I, I can find you some uh <laughs> <laughs> um but for but for real like you know california the thing about california is like and there's mountains everywhere but the sierra nevada is where i live i know i harp on this all the time i can literally go within half like 45 minutes up to the top of the sierra nevadas in like lake tahoe one of the most beautiful places in the world or I can go an hour the other way to the West Coast and enjoy, um, you know, the beautiful seagulls and the and the ocean. And it's like California's yeah. natural beauty is, yeah. um, it's it's just something that instills um, like, like inspiration in a in a very heavenly way for me. And California can't be beaten in that regard. Um, yeah. You know, in regards to its history, I mean, California was always the place where. Um, you know, the, the, the cowboys, the Westerners, the miners, a lot of outlaws, it's a very heroic place. You know, it's, it's where you would go to literally, um, you know, you, you have to depend on your own, you know, your own strength and your own creativity. And there's no, there's no, the culture of the welfare state was never part of California history. You're literally on your own and you're literally at war with everybody. It's, it's a very heroic, courageous, masculine history. And it's funny that the way that California has transformed from that to like the most coddled, technologically addicted feminine, you know, psycho feminine, um, emotional place on earth. It's, it's, it's crazy. The transformation that's happened. So, you know, current day California as a whole, is one of the worst places in the world. It's like the engine that drives, you know, the yeah. American cultural regime. Um, yeah. and, and Minnesota has its problems right now with like immigration and, and sort of the leftward trends there, but nothing compared to how bad California has gotten in, in its, in its cultural hubs. Um, yeah. so it's like, how do you compare these two? They're different. I mean, you have a lot of interesting history, um, mm-hmm. that I love, like, I love the, like little house on the prairie. I love all that stuff. Like, you know, immensely mm-hmm. the history there, the history of California is just different than that. It's, it was unsettled in a way that Minnesota wasn't. So it's hard to compare the two, um, culturally we're, we're definitely different. Um, very different, you know, like, yeah. you know, yeah. so anyway, do you have any comments on all that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think like in terms of natural beauty, I mean, Minnesota definitely has it, uh, too, uh, though it's different. Right. Mm-hmm. The um the North Woods in Minnesota is is spectacular. Um, you know, going up there in the fall is is gorgeous. Um and and where I'm from in southern Minnesota, you know, it's not naturally beautiful. It's just it's nothing but cornfields. 
right? Uh, it's, you know, it, it, it's cornfields and soybeans and, and you know, a hundred years ago, it'd be wheat um, mostly, um, which, I mean, there's, there's a beauty there too, but it's, it's, sure. you know, to say that to compare that to Lake Tahoe, <laughs> you know, even I couldn't, even yeah, I couldn't yeah. do that. But I, I think, I think the uh, culturally, um, you know, the different, the differences, I mean, you know, going back to like Minnesota culture, I mean, you, you, you had that too, where, um, I liked it like near my home, there is, um, this, you know, uh, a farm, you know, called a place called farm America, which is just, it's, it's a, a, a heritage historic site where they have like the different iterations of farmhouses in Minnesota. And, and like, you go to like the sod house, uh, that they have there and you think about, all right, people came here with nothing and, they built these houses out of sod and they survived winters that I, that I live in and, and have the luxury of, of, you know, natural gas heat. Uh, they survived that in a sod hut. All right. And, uh, and the, the kind of toughness that, that, you know, my ancestors had to settle this place yeah. um, is, is astounding, is absolutely remarkable. And like, like culturally there is because of the like German and Scandinavian uh, peoples that came here, there, there was a much more of a communitarian spirit, which sounds like, you know, sounds like Kami gobbledygook. Uh, but, uh, but the reality is like in, in order to survive a winter like this, you have to, you have to have other people. You have to rely on other people. You can't, you can't totally be on your own, right? You can't be the mountain man. Um, you, you need other people, especially in a hostile territory where there are, uh, Sioux Indians that might want to kill you and sometimes did. Um, and so, um, and, and that, that communitarian spirit uh, or that spirit of like real community, uh, of people that, that live for each other, um, which you can have on the micro level, right? In the macro level, it's 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 chaos and and yeah. Disorder. Well, the funny thing is that's probably what led to California's um, you know moral disarray because everything was so individualistic. You know, it was it was yeah. fine at a time, and Teddy Roosevelt was over here all the time talking about the strenuous life because California is a great place to you know to to find to to meet your physical you know, to capacity and to grow yourself in that way, psychologically and physically. But when you have something that's so dependent on individuality without the community roots, it, it, look at California now. I mean, that's what happens. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and I guess, you know, to, to answer the next question that I have up here on the screen, like the old Minnesota flag, which was uh, the first iteration of, was from like, I think like 1897 and has been around for, you know, until, uh, until this year, uh, when the, the the stupid Maoists in my state government decided to get rid of it, um, it you have you have a farmer working a plow, and then there's an Indian on a horse in the back. That's why I want to get rid of it is because they're oh, it's not nice to the Native Americans, uh, right? That's that's why that's the the rationale. Uh, but it it actually it it, it shows. I, like I will spirit, never ever understand that. Minnesota. You know, it's, it's I will not, never. Like it makes the Indians look based. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I know exactly. It, it, it's just on a horse riding around, you know, in the background. Um, I actually, I actually love native American things, uh, you know, personally. It, oh you yeah. Do probably like it's part of your cultural heritage, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. It is, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and so like, um, it's part of, uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's part of what Minnesota is and, and California too. It's part of yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what all of America is. Right. That the aspect of of both, you know, conflict and living among the. Um, yeah, um, for sure. 
the the native peoples here. Um, and and so a lot of it is just we want to pretend our history is is all evil and horrible and bad. Uh, but it's like, well, we brought you know European civilization to the New World and built the most powerful country in in human history. Sorry, uh, <laughs> you know, like um, while while you while you well tribes are just you butchering each other for you know um, forever uh, beforehand. Yeah. Um, all right, you go ahead and yeah, take this one, CJ. Yeah, so you know, how can we stop our wonderful places from being invaded by fast food and suburban housing developments? Uh, these are different things. Um, so fast food, you just have to stop buying it, and this is hard because it's 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 made to be addicting. Yeah. Um, but you literally have to get together and grow your own stuff and find alternatives. Um, you know, you can you can find ways of shipping meat, good meat to you. And um, but it's also good. It's a good financial practice too to stop buying. You know, my brother and I call it the singularity food. Um, but you just stop buying this, you know, stop buying singularity food and and literally like train yourself. Like when I was dieting, people were like, how do you afford like the grass fed meat? How do you afford to shop organic? It's like I literally eat like a couple carrots, a thing of yogurt and some meat a day. It's actually cheaper, but you have to discipline yeah. yourself. It requires yeah. discipline um, to do it. So that's that's easier, I think, because, you know, the you know people, although, you know, you can't change the masses, you know, the masses, th these foods are made for for them. You know, and, and um, you know, it's like fast food is not downstream from people's preferences. It's people's preferences are downstream from like institutional singularity food. You know, yeah, they're, exactly. they're, so so it's it's hard in that sense. Um, the, the suburban housing developments is harder because you actually have to be more politically aware. Um, those are political problems. You know, those are the yeah. result of lobbyists. Those are the result of uh, people making deals with the state. So that that's a lot more difficult. Uh, I think those are very harmful for community for cultural continuity, um, for maintaining some sort of connectivity to the past, that's a lot more dangerous in the long term because when you build this housing development, you have to have the fast food. You have to have the shops. You have to have the shopping centers. You have to bring in people from out of out of the area to fill those housing developments. It's not, it's not the host people that are moving into the suburban developments. It's people no. from outside the area. So the suburban housing developments are more dangerous, in my opinion, and they're a lot more political, diff politically difficult to um, address. Um, the other, the other difficulty with it is like the Republican Party is much more on board with those things, you know. So you know those are Republican uh, endeavors, and so I, I don't really have like a long term solution other than you have to be more radical in your politics. So. I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. Um, flee, maybe flee like what I'm doing. Like I live in California and like around the Sacramento area, it's become like just mass singularityville um, with yeah. all this housing developments. And so, yeah, I might have to go to, to Arkansas or something. So, well, there is, um, I think some of it too is, I mean, this is, this is a question of, like you said, like what, what can an individual do against sociological and political trends? Right. that are totally outside your control. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you could do what you can as an individual. Um, and, and so some of it is, yeah, maybe, maybe leave. Um, one of the things that is, is beginning to happen. And, you know, I, I'm, I have some knowledge of, of, of this that I can maybe share at a later date, but people are beginning to, uh, build intentional communities, in, in places not, and I'm not talking like communes and, and stupid things like that, but like, like people going to a, a place and settling and building new towns, right? That is, that is a thing that is, is beginning to happen. I think going to 
uh, happen a lot more is <laughs> building towns, building. I mean, it, it's, it's almost like taking advantage of the, um, the sub development, uh, uh, framework and using it against itself. Like it's taking the, the, the next question I want to answer is the one on Tolkien. Uh, it's like taking the ring and using it, <laughs> right? but, uh, but, uh, but, but really like taking it and, and building your time, but then being able to, um, uphold like traditional culture and way of life of that area and having it very strictly enforced, right? We're not going to have strip malls. We're not going to have fast food in these mm-hmm. places. We are going mm-hmm. to, you will we'll, we'll only have mom and pop shops in, in this town. And that's mm-hmm. all we're going to like taking control of like zoning and just zoning like crazy that you can't have this and making it very onerous for big global corps to come in mm-hmm. and do that. Like one of the things that some towns do, like um, I, maybe some, some of our friends in, in Pella are in the, uh, are watching this right now, but like Pella, Iowa, right. Any global corp thing that wants to come in, they make them have a storefront that looks like Holland, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like traditional Dutch, you know, architecture. Uh, so like they put up, you know, massive barriers, uh, to these these people coming in they still have it they still have a you know a taco bell and a chick-fil-a and things like that but um you're gonna have a lot less of it if you put up those kind of barriers mm-hmm. right and um and you're only gonna have like the highest quality like like chick-fil-a um which still is bad and it's full of seed oil so don't you know my <laughs> wife is watching this. she loves chick-fil-a and it's like no more we're not doing that anymore <laughs> um but uh but yeah that's that that's part of it is Whatever sm- you, you as an individual or even banding together with with smaller groups do, um, yeah, this is. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I would say you know probably a pub five hundred. Uh, that's 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 where I went last time with Jonathan. So uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's yeah. I, I I'm, I'm a creature of habit. Uh, <laughs> um, that's that's the answer to that one. But the next question here. Um, uh, okay, I won't I won't answer it. You don't you don't answer this one. No, you you took it down. This one. Oh, oh, this one. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, for both. Oh, sorry, it's for both of us. Yes. Uh, yeah, so, no, it's yeah. okay. No, nobody will know. It's it's a little local place called the Tin Lantern. It's just tucked away in my little mountain town. So that's where I would yeah, go. I'm, I'm going to get lunch with Jonathan in like an hour. So oh, uh, <laughs> once again, once again, I have not been invited. Yeah, sorry. Next time. Next time. Um, what was the other one? The token one. Let's do the token, the token one. one. Oh, sorry. I, yeah, I I didn't realize he was asking you too because he's not gonna have lunch with you today, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so yeah, what what would you say to the fact that Tolkien thought it important to the preservation of West the Western soul to maintain the pre Christian mythos and folklore? Uh, do I have him misunderstood? No, I think that's that's you more or less accurate, wouldn't you agree? That's more or less accurate to to. Oh yeah, Tolkien. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, In fact, I, I wrote an article on this um, a, a couple months ago, a couple articles ago, but also a couple months ago. Did you actually um, publish it? Is the question? Uh, it, did it's you published? Publish? It's published. Oh, um, it is. Okay. It's called Tolkien in the West, I think. But yeah, okay. no, he like you. You can't. This is the problem with like what Disney's doing with all of its like um, it's it's uh, new renditions of all the like these are these are Germanic stories. These are Anglo-Saxon heritage that have been Christianized. Uh, I have a really cool book called Disney in Europe. And like, so it, these are European tales. They belong to us. They belong to our history. Um, and that's part of the yes, subversion. Snow White, Cinderella, and the Little yeah, Mermaid. The Little Mermaid. Like they're, that's part of the subversion. So yes, you absolutely have to have 
Um, and that's that's part, but that's part of it. people make fun of Christianity. They're like, you know, Christmas is just a pagan holiday that's been Christianized. It's like, yes, yes, we Christianized it. And if you don't stop, we'll Christianize more of your stuff. Like yeah, that's yeah. that's the, that's what Christianity. You can Toyota's on next. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah so, <laughs> but yeah, no, I absolutely agree with Tolkien, hands down. Um, this is like his, you know, um, this is his Catholicity in, in the broad universal sense coming to fruition he's not an evangelical like he doesn't think of like you have to create stories that have like um you know explicit exegetical basis like that's not how um you know western europe was was developed you what you do is you you know you have the metaphysical implications of christianity and you christianize the world that you found um so absolutely 100 percent. i think that's the way to understand tolkien that's why like i think like a lot of people say like c.s lewis and tolkien wrote christian uh fictions and like evangelicals were like, look for like hidden analogies to the gospel or something. It's like, no, that's not what they were doing. They conceived of um, a united world with, you know, God at the top and this kind of like this cathedral. The whole world is a cathedral. The whole world belongs to this natural cosmic order. That's the Christianity of these stories and these tales. So, yes, I think that's how you yeah. should approach Tolkien. Well, and, that, and that's why, I mean, you know, Tolkien was much more um, keyed into you know, Anglo-Saxon heritage, um, and, and like Northern Europe. Uh, but I mean, I think the same thing holds true with, with like the Greco-Roman world, why it's important to read the Aeneid and the Iliad and the Odyssey, um, is because these are the, that's the mythos that upheld the classical world. Right. Um, and, and that's, that's the world that God, um, uh, created for Christianity to take over. Yeah. For sure. That's exactly. He, like, he divinely ordained that that the Oikumene, uh, what would be Greek and Roman, and that the gospel would go into that world, right? He mm -hmm. designed it for it to be taken over by 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 the gospel, and and mm -hmm. the same thing, same thing for with sure. with uh, Norse religion. It's the exact same thing. And that's that's why, like, I mean, Tolkien loved Beowulf, right? And Beowulf mm -hmm. is kind of this um, in between where it, like the Christian world is beginning to take over the, the Norse world. And it's, I mean, some people even say like Beowulf is a Christian epic. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily go that far, but, um, but I see why they say it. And, and you're, you're taking the, the mythos and you're Christianizing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, and you, it's part of that, that entire process is right. You don't just like, it's, it's Christianity is not a revolutionary religion, right. right. Where it just eradicates the past and creates something totally new and different mm -hmm. it it takes it like grace comes in and, and transforms that world it mm -hmm. doesn't eradicate it mm -hmm. so. exactly yeah do you have an answer to this i don't i don't know enough about um <clears throat> i don't know enough about you know current publications and current fiction and fantasy to know if i could answer this yeah i think uh, yeah i think jesse's you know I think Jesse's right here uh, that Tolkien says uh, Tolkien also synthesized, synthesized his own mythology to add to the tradition, contextualizing mm -hmm. it to the present future. Uh, who is doing that work today? Um, oh, that's a good question. I don't know if anybody is, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If they are, I not, um, not, not at like a grand scale, not at a grand scale. Like, yeah, you, you know, not, not like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hate to say it, but like uh, you need something, you need a new epic, like, like what J like George Martin or whatever, like you need something like that, but you know, not, not, but not fake and, and yeah, yeah. Not, not yeah. pornographic, but you yeah. know, but, that, but that's not my point. Like Tolkien created a, a meta narrative of, of a, of a world and, and that's what you need. I don't think anyone's doing that. Uh, I don't think yeah, you I think can. I don't think you can do that today. 
So yeah, yeah. I think I mean maybe maybe I mean Dune's not a mythology. I mean it is a mythology actually, but like Dune Dune was that um, very much that. I mean it's a, a future futuristic mythology. Uh, but no, that's um, that's exactly it. I mean I think uh, here's uh, how much time do you have left, uh, CJ? I didn't. We, I'm actually I'm actually uh, good. I'm actually good today. Okay, um, you're you're the one that's more time restrained. Yeah, right here. We uh, how do we support Contramundum and all of our uh, and y'all's work? We could say that because you were just in Arkansas. You could say y'all. Uh, <laughs> y'all have a Patreon. We don't have a Patreon at at this point. Uh, <laughs> Andrew's not invited. <laughs> uh, we don't. We don't. Uh, we've we've talked in the past about setting one up. I think you know maybe after year one. Right. We're, we're all we're all gonna we're make it. Is accepting yeah. is accepting checks. And, and Bitcoin. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but at, at well, some point, I think we'll set one up. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. I, we're not here to make a ton of money. Um, although we did just, we did just commit to this, you know, by buying a, an annual um, subscription to the StreamYard yeah. service, the premium yeah. StreamYard services. So that, that was expensive. And uh, you know, maybe, maybe we'll come up with a way for you to buy us a gift or something for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll discuss that in, in the uh, meantime. I think the, uh, uh, oh, CJ and Andrew answered the questions about eating, but not lifting. Very curious. Oh yeah. Let's go back to, I was going to answer that. There's uh, a lot of questions me, we've missed. We've, we haven't been able we, to get them. All. I'm sorry that we haven't gotten every single question because there's a lot of good ones. Uh, here we go. Here it is. I'll scroll back up and find it. All right. I'll let you answer this one first. Uh, where, where are your lifts at CJ squat bench deadlift? Uh, you know, not, <laughs> I don't do anything. I don't do any of that. What? I'm not. Yeah, no, I, I'm very Californian. I swim, I bike and I run. Uh, so I can tell got, you where my mile is at. <laughs> we got to change that, man. Um, yeah, I swim and I know, bike and I run. Uh, yeah. Mine, so, uh, um, mine are, uh, <laughs> mine are not that good. Um, you know, I think, let's see the last year, my one, I'm, I'm going to actually deadlift today on, uh, and, and test another one rep. So I'll let you know if I, if I break the last one I did for deadlift was 455. So I didn't even break 500. I've been cutting. Um, so that was, uh, I mean the best I've, I've ever done is like 550. but, uh, so I, I haven't been cutting, I've been, you know, since Thanksgiving, I've been, you know, plateaued. <laughs> I've been at the same weight. Um, so I, I'd like to, if I, I, I'm hoping to get to, you know, 485 today, uh, on, on the deadlift, um, squat. The last one I did was 415 and bench 315. Um, so not, not, I mean, it's not, it's nothing spectacular. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to win any weightlifting competitions, but I think that's, that's still over a, a thousand if I did my math right for, uh, for a total. Um, so, you know, it's, I guess, respectable, uh, but I'm, you know, I'm 37 now, so I've, I've still, I've, I can Are still you have, really? little, yeah, I've, I've got, I, you know, I can still have a little old man strength in me, but, um, but That's I'm crazy. I'm you're five, to, uh, you're five years older than me. Yeah. Four years yeah, older. Know that? Yeah. No. You didn't know that? Oh uh, yeah. I'm an wow. old man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Remember like, uh, um, you know, remember, like uh, Rod Dreher in his uh, attack on me uh, said, I'm a young man. He must've been, he must've been thinking about you and not me. Like you're the, you're the kid here. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I'm wow. almost almost forty. Uh, so that. let me let me let me scroll down. There's a few more. So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's over. Uh, hopefully, he's saying it's over because you don't lift and not. No, that's what he was. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Because my, my total is is not that uh, that impressive. Um, 
All right. It's never been more over than it is now. Yeah, CJ, we gotta get you we gotta like get you some ripito uh starting strength. Like just get get the very basics, you know. Uh yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, Andrew? uh hundred that now yeah it's, we've been going longer now we can do some silly uh questions um i would choose the one, one chicken a hundred chicken no you you obviously not been around chickens no um, i have i have chickens you know, a horse-sized chicken would be hypothetical i i can also imagine myself as like the green knight you know dude like a horse-sized chicken is like a, a velociraptor man like that's <laughs> that thing will kill you um easily a hundred chicken sized horses easily right horses <laughs> you know i just i just you know kick them out of the way um oh this is yeah you know what this is the other one we're doing some some silly ones here this is actually correct uh it is culver's i've never uh, had culver's cj is gonna say something like in and out or, or whatever and it's uh, like um yeah probably in and out yeah, yeah, Culver's million times. When someday when you come visit Minnesota, you're gonna have to try Culver's because it is, uh, it's very good. They they use real butter to cook the burgers. So wow, Impressive. bear that in mind. Impressive. Yeah, so no seed oils, uh, at least in the burger, in, in the bun, and everything else there is. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, that is um, you know that that's the thing. Like uh, I um. And, and I don't, I don't eat fat. Like the only fast food that I, tr- you know, will indulge in at this point is, um, is B-dubs because they fry the, uh, the wings in, uh, beef tallow. Uh, that is the only, uh, yeah. Culver's just moved into town. Uh, not impressed. Ah, sad, uh, <laughs> sad, sad. Uh, oh, here's, here's a good one. We, we talked about this with Rag Nationalist a couple weeks ago on, mm-hmm. on nicotine consumption. Um, you know, the various methods. I mean, I, I, I prefer the lozenges, you know, the, uh, especially I, I like Zen. I mean, it, it made me sad when he's like, it's, it's sort of become somewhat Reddit lately. <laughs> uh, and it's like, that's true. It has like people, it, it's, 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 it's reached kind of the preference. Is there like, is there chemicals in it? Like, like, uh, dyes or sugars or anything? I don't think so. I mean, whatever the flavoring is, obviously is some kind of chemical. Um, yeah. but, uh, but I don't think they, I don't think there's very much. I've never had, I've never tried anything like that. It, it literally is just like nicotine salt. Um, and so that is, uh, yeah, I don't think that's, uh, uh, so, so bad. Uh, but you know, I, I think, you know, I've, I've, I've smoked cigars before too. I've, I, I don't, I don't do that so much, you know, really only if I'm golfing, um, mm-hmm. do I have the occasional, uh, cigar or, or, you know, some kind of, you know, if you're, you know, you're with some friends that you haven't seen in a long time, things like that. But, um, typically it's just, uh, uh, you know, typically just, uh, the lozenges. I, I, I think the hard thing with a lot of the, the common, um, you know, forms of nicotine that exist that you can get is they're so full of, so full of additives, um, you know, wh- whether it's, um, chew or cigarettes or, or whatever like it's just there the benefit that you get from nicotine is <clears throat> more than nullified by all the other garbage that's in there mm-hmm. uh which is why which is why i prefer the lozenges which are basically just uh just the straight up nicotine um but i, I mean we, we we talked about this like it is um it is not a coincidence at all in my mind that at the same time that they're trying to push 
uh, THC and marijuana in every on everybody. Mm-hmm. They're making it like they just passed like a nationwide twenty one like ban. Anyone younger than twenty one can't have you know can't buy nicotine products yeah. anymore. Uh, and it's like and now but they're wasn't opening that already, <clears throat> that already a rule. Uh, in California, it probably has been. For <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, we're we're yeah. ahead of the, we're we're living in the future. And it's like, all right, you know, uh, we put a man on the moon with uh, coffee, or maybe we did. Uh, I think we did uh, with coffee and cigarettes. <laughs> right? That's that's what powered it. Uh, uh-huh. And now, what do we have? Is is nothing. If but we, pot yeah. If we if we were actually on the moon, it was on it was on coffee and cigarettes. It was on coffee and cigarettes. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> You know, like that. It's like, it's like, uh, I, like Ben Braddock is always tweeting out, like, I, I stand with big tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 I know, I know. Yeah, it'd, be, it'd be nice if we got a you know, big tobacco sponsorship. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's injection. Yeah, I know there is injection nicotine. And of course, there's like nicotine gum and things, things like this and patches and, and whatever else that people, that, I mean, those are typically for people that are trying to get off of smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that is, um, yeah, that is, that's fun that we went down the nicotine road. Um, but, uh, yeah, now I, now I have to, I have to scheme ways to get CJ to start lifting. That's uh we need, everyone needs to mog CJ into, into lifting now. That is, uh, that's priority number one. Uh, I swim. I, I swim. <laughs> I mean, swimming is good. It's, it's very good. It's very Lindy. Uh, but so is lifting. Uh, you gotta, you got to pick yeah. up heavy stuff. Like, how are you going to be able to survive in, in uh, outside of California? Uh, you forget that I that I do build trailers for a, a living. You know, so it's part of it. Yeah. I know it's not the same, um, but there is a, a natural aspect of working manual labor for a living. Picks you know, the trailers up over his head. That's. Uh... <laughs> oh, we lost CJ's volume. Oh, we lost him. CJ's gone. I'm oh, there back. you are. You're back now. I think you're in the. Uh, you you have your headphone microphone on now, though. Oh, let me see. Really? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, um, let's see. Like, all right. Now we're back. We're back. Yes, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to get going here soon. Uh, what? Uh, so, any last couple questions that people have? Uh, hit hit the chat. Um, otherwise, uh, yeah, I got I got to get rolling. What? Uh, what? what stuff have you been, uh, have you been working on? I mean, you've been traveling, so probably not, not a ton. Not really. Um, yeah, just, I mean, I've been, I've been just traveling and staying offline. Really. It's funny. I, yeah, I haven't been tweeting as much, although I did tweet some things yesterday that got people mad. So that's always fun. Yeah. I did. I mine mine kind of took off too. I mean, one is like, uh, Oh, is your, it is, <laughs> this yep. is a good question. Uh, where'd it go? Uh, is the podcast version no like it is going up? Uh, it's just behind. Uh, it's we're all gonna um, make it. Just blame. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm. It's actually me. Uh, but I've been I've been traveling a ton too, so I haven't. It takes a lot of time, like more it time does. than you think to put. Uh, although you know, Forge and Anvil guys know that uh, they they do a podcast. Mm. So they they know the audio stuff takes takes time. Uh, it takes takes a good amount of editing and uh, to make it good sound am- good. Good amount of zen. It definitely takes a good amount of time to, to get it done. And it, and it's just time consuming. Like you have to wait for stuff to upload and, and, and things like that. So, um, you, you can't probably... like, you can't like listen to music while you do it. Like it's, it's kind of mind numbing. It's yeah. It is, it is, uh, so anyway, you know, I'm not going to complain too much about, about it, but it is, it, it will get, we'll get it caught up here next week. Wait, what and, is a workbook? Uh, Let's, like, what does this mean? What brand of workbooks? 
Yeah. What, what, what did you mean, work boots? Did you mean work boots? I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> uh, CJ has reached his allotted limit of audio per California law. <laughs> it's true. So that's true. right. That's right. We, we only get so much. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You joke about that, but it's probably coming. Uh, <laughs> work boots. There you go. Uh, yeah. I was right. What are your, what are your favorite? Work um, boots? I have um, a pair of, um, it's actually a pair of, uh, what is the, um, I just went brain dead on it. It's uh, something you wouldn't expect. Oh, Caterpillar. I actually have a pair of Caterpillar boots that I use. I heard those are really good. Yeah, like the like the um, the tractor brand um, yeah. for those who aren't aware. But like uh, I love them. I, I, I love them. So that's that's what I would use. So it's not a traditional work boot, but it's what I use for for my work. So and I use that outside when I'm doing all of my um, firewood stuff and clearing my property. So that's what I would go with. I, I have mine is uh, it's also be a brand that's become extremely Reddit in the last couple of years, uh, Carhartt, uh, uh-huh. it used to be like the gold standard for everything yeah. here. I mean, it, it still kind of is it's still very high quality stuff. Uh, but it's like now like girls who like Taylor Swift are wearing Carhartt hats everywhere. It's like, uh, my, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My I culture know. is not your costume. Right? Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah. the Carhartt work boots I have are awesome. Like I, I wear them. I mean, I, I go walking in them in Minnesota, like to keep my feet, insulated and warm which is mm-hmm. like in winter when you know if you don't have winter where you are like that's the single most important thing is yeah. do you do you have warm boots that'll keep your your feet warm for sure um and they're waterproof and uh um the other thing that's always hard with work boots when you're outside in in an icy place is like is there good grip on the bottom and, and like it's exactly yeah it is uh they're they're excellent boots. Um and like the big thing with work boots is if you get a expensive pair that's 150 or 200 bucks, um they'll last you for 10 years if you just right. change out the insoles every year or two. Mm-hmm. Um like that, that like that's that is uh like a good pair of work boots is is everything, man. Like it is it is great uh when you have them. And when mm-hmm. you know when you don't have them, when you have mm-hmm. a, a junky pair, uh mm-hmm. it makes life miserable. Um, this is, this is another good one. Um, I'm going to go with cringe pig and wig nets. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to say neither, man. Like they deserve each other. <laughs> like, oh, come like on. That's, that's no fun. That's a, that's a cop out, but, uh, you know, uh, it, there, uh, I mean, it, it really is a phenomenon. Like both things are a phenomenon. Um, it's like horseshoe theory, right? It is, um, these, uh, um, it, it's, it's people that because everyone is so deracinated, uh, they you'll go to like the fringiest uh, thing to try to recover an identity, mm-hmm. and and so that's mm-hmm. what both respective groups have done uh, because like mainstream American Christianity is it, it doesn't go down that road where it embraces. I mean, you you sort of have this in in some Lutheranism or at least you used to in uh, where it embraced kind of the Germanic heritage. Mm-hmm. But even that, like you see the stuff going on in the LCMS, like that is, that's gone by the wayside too. Um, mm-hmm. So you, so in that vacuum, right. Anyone who wants to be conscious of like their historic way of life as a people um, is going to go to the weirdest possible thing. Right. Um, and, and, and so like the, the black Hebrew Israelites, that's just, that's kind of, it's to me, it seems like another iteration of like the nation of Islam um, where it's just, here's this kind of made up identity 
that uh, with this silly fictitious history uh, <laughs> that, that people adopt. And uh, because it, it, it gives them, it gives them meaning, right? Mm-hmm. That's why they go to it. Like it gives them meaning as, as a people um, that they're forbidden from having, right? Because, because the, the saner versions of these things are totally uh, eliminated and, and forbidden. Um, people will go to the weirdest possible stuff, right? The fringiest thing, right? That's why these, these phenomenon exist. Um, so thorough good, I've heard good things about thorough good, uh, work boots, uh, made in USA. Always, always a good thing. Um, I have no idea where my car hearts are made. Almost certainly not in America. Uh, maybe, maybe they are. I mean, car hearts says made in America all the time, but do we really buy that? I don't know. Um, as a Californian, like I, those things, usually they bring in the entire product from like China and then they like adjust it or like, like, you know, you know, affect it on the shores here. And then they call it made in America. Well, and the the other side of it too, the the other side of like the made in the made in USA, like sticker is made in USA, but by, you know, (laughs) by foreign people anyway, like, like, uh, it's like, ah, it's made in the USA. what kind yeah. of Americans, like actual Americans or, or <laughs> what kind of Americans? Yeah. You know, or like people that got here last week. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so like the whole made in USA thing is, is become kind of silly for that reason, because there isn't like, there isn't a USA. Right? Yeah. They just, instead of making it in China or, or Honduras, they brought Honduras here. <laughs> right. Right, um, right, 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 right. Oh, here we go. This is, we are going to be, uh, this is challenge mode impossible. I think we can do this. <clears throat> He's like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> um, I'll go first. So I don't know. Um, that, I, I don't mean, know. You're like, <laughs> you just rage quit. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of anything. I don't know. I don't really, I don't know. I can do this. I got it. Yeah, go for it. I can do this. Um, I appreciate, um, a, a state that is, is formed around its identity as a people, right? I can, I can appreciate, I can appreciate that. And that at the very least seems to operate, uh, for the benefit of its people. Mm -hmm. Um, does that count as one thing or two things? Um, you know, uh, so like, like it's a good question. Like I heard uh, um, an apocryphal story about JD Vance where he was basically saying, this is like, I wish America was much more like, like Israel in this aspect, Mm -hmm. right? I wish we, I wish we prioritized our people and did things for the sake of our people like they do. Um, And so, you know, their, their, their entire foreign policy is centered around what is good for them (laughs) and for their Mm -hmm. people. I wish we did that. That would be great. Um, and but, and but they, that that's not really like an appreciation that like benefits us. Like, it, like I was thinking of the question more like you know okay. what things h- how have we benefited from Israel in any what are way? they oh yeah what are they doing that we benefit well nothing um but no you zero. yeah, yeah. No, you, I think your answer is legitimate though so. in, 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 yeah in the frame that you're looking at it yeah I can't think of a single thing <laughs> of course not um but in in terms of in terms of like how they actually operate like it's. I mean, this is the thing, like you, you look at the insane woke, um, anti Israel people. And this is why the question of like Israel and Gaza and everything is so, uh, is, is much more complex than people think, because like, we're not pro, you know, neither you and I are never going to be accused of being pro Israel. Um, but like, 
those people that hate Israel, the reason they hate it is not the reasons why why we are against Israel at all. Yeah, like we have we have no similarity to those people at all. Uh, they hate Israel because they recognize, and this is sort of a Kofefi Annan's you know catchphrase on Twitter, right? The woke are more correct than the mainstream. Um, they view Israel as a as a European country, right? That's that's how they view it. Uh, we we largely don't, but I, I think in one sense, you know, they're they're kind of right. Um, that it is a European, a model of a European country of a Western country, um, in, in, at least in, in its uh, structure and they hate it for that reason, right? That's why they hate it. They, because they hate, they hate Western civilization. They hate Western Europe. They hate, they hate anything that they hate America. Um, and, and so that's the reason they hate it. They don't hate it because, of how destructive it is to the Middle East and how, how destructive it is to, uh, to our country. That's not a consideration. There's at all like they, they want to destroy our country. <laughs> so if anything, they like Israel for those reasons. Um, and uh, yeah, this is, um, this is a good point here, right? Just the, like the internal politics of Israel. Um, I, I, I only mentioned like two things. I don't know if I can get to three. So maybe I, maybe I failed the challenge, but uh this is an important point on Israel is that they, there really was this civil war between uh, Netanyahu um, and, and well, I mean, there, there are multiple factions here too, um, more, more than just this between like Arab Jews who vote for Netanyahu and the more secular Ashkenazi. So it's, you have, yeah, like the religious Zionists and the, the secular ones, right. There, there was this major conflict between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the Likud, of course, is like the hardline party that that's like we're going to have peace through strength, and we're going to destroy all of our enemies, and we're going to flatten Gaza and all of this kind of stuff. Um, and I mean, I just look at it like I've I've I don't know if you guys have or if you CJ have listened to Martyr Maid's podcast they did a couple of years ago on on Israel and Palestine. It's it's extremely good. I don't know if you have any. Uh, if you've re- you've already reached your allotted podcast listening hours uh, <laughs> for the state of California, <laughs> but if you uh, if you get the chance, listen to that because I think he's extremely level headed and he presents the the perspective of both sides extremely well. So much so that like people on either side hate him um, for it, which is probably a good sign. And um, his his uh, perspective is that like peace absolutely is achievable in in Israel between the Palestinians and the Israelis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and, and his conclusion more or less is that the hardliners in Israel have sabotaged it every step of the way um, yeah. that they, they don't want um, right. They, they don't want there to be peace, right? You could, mm-hmm. you could have a, pe- the, the way Americans view this is, is incorrect because we're just programmed to believe that here's the peaceful Israel in this place of, evil jihadist Muslims that want to destroy Israel. And it's like, that's no, that's actually not the case at all. Like there, there's a reason why Hamas exists and why, you know, Palestinian terrorists exist. It's like, he's approaching it from a rational uh, yeah. uh, political realist perspective, rather than just saying, Oh, they're insane jihadists and they're just going to kill and murder no matter what. Uh, that's the typical like American perspective. And it's like, no, they're, they're like peace. Absolutely is achievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it it's not going to be um, so long as the goal of the entire land of Palestine becoming Israel and under Israeli control, like that's the goal of the Likud and, and like the Netanyahu faction and so forth 
is they want every square inch of that land to be under their control and domination. They don't want they don't want a separate Palestinian state, right? right. Period. Uh, they don't right. want to to govern themselves. Um, and so it's it's been sabotaged. Um, and so let's until let's, uh, like that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, let's, we we should end on that. Um, but uh, do you remember what episode it was? I, I'll listen to it because you've mentioned it several times, and I need to get to it. Um, it's a series, so there's like five oh. or six episodes um, that he's done on it. I'll I, I will I'll send it to you, and I, maybe I'll yes. I'll put it uh, I'll tweet it out um, and and post it. Um, and uh, it, it's it's absolutely fantastic, and I think it's it's prerequisite for anybody, even if even if you totally disagree with Daryl and are like, no, he's wrong, he's totally wrong. at least it gives you uh, yeah, fear and loathing in the New Jerusalem. That's the uh, the title of it. Um, nice title. And. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's absolutely fantastic, and and I mean extremely deep dive in the history of it, and and so I think yeah if you if like in order to be able to comment on what's going on intelligently, like you have to you have to listen to that and understand the history of it because most most people don't they're approaching it in a vacuum where mm-hmm. they're just looking right, at what's right, on the right, news right. five minutes ago and it's like you you can't understand a conflict right without any of the the without any of the anything that came before uh mm-hmm. you, you that's not possible um so anyway um yeah uh that's what uh this this is actually a good a very good last question this will be the last one jonathan's last question is the good is a great one okay I'm so, bad. I'm so bad at these in the past decade um i've hardly watched decade. any tv in the last decade so until 2013 um uh, so 2013 to 20 23 uh which television show um yeah you can't i mean you can't just choose one that has the worst content it has has which ones had the worst impact impact on the country yeah um i'm trying to think what are the what's like the most popular stuff i mean i i would maybe say like game of thrones because that yeah that had, that had, a, that had almost zero cultural impact like nobody that's, even that's what i'm saying anymore that's yeah. what i'm saying it had terrible stuff but like impact um yeah no actually i, I could agree with his answer the office I, I, you would have to say maybe 15 years if you're going to go with the office um i would say i would that's what i was going to say but i'm like that doesn't I don't, did it end by 2013 um i would say the office for sure in the last 20 years and i i loved it when i was in college right i thought it was hilarious and everything everybody loved it and mm-hmm. uh, but you look at it, it's, it's every, like the whole, the irony poisoning of everything is, mm-hmm. is like, where does it come from? Is that right? Everyone, uh, right. Everyone wants to be Jim Halpert, like staring in the camera, like, eh. uh, when like the actual hero of the show, the only one that's authentic in the show is Dwight Schrute, right. <laughs> uh, that isn't like totally poisoned by irony and, yeah. and just, you know, cringe Reddit, uh, you know, beliefs and attitudes, mm-hmm. um, is, is like Dwight. <laughs> right? yeah. It's supposed to be the bad guy in the show, but, uh, um, I think, I think parks and recreation is, is, kind of, I mean, it was almost like a spinoff, even though it's not in the same, it's the same, 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 same thing. Right. Where, um, I mean, both of those things, right. That, that, that kind of comedy. Um, I think if you, if you want to go back like 30 years, um, probably friends, is in this vein yeah, too. Um, sure. and, and, and I mean, I would even maybe say Seinfeld, um, even though I, I Seinfeld's hilarious and I loved it. Um, it is, um, it is, Oh, uh, am I gone? What? 
uh, did I lose myself? Uh, I'm gone. Here we go. Um, I was getting a phone call. Yeah, I, I think it is. Um, it is. It, it's probably that because it 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 completely poisons all of human relationships, right? That's mm-hmm. the uh, point. Oh, definitely not Fraser. We're not. We're gonna say no to Fraser. Not <laughs> Fraser is great. I'll, I'll stand uh, stand my ground on Fraser, even though like culturally, you know, it's it's very amoral as well. But uh, but I would say you know in, in terms of like modern television, um, yeah, no one speak ill of Fraser. <laughs> but I, I would say Seinfeld because like all of it is 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 totally ironic and. And, and cynical, right? Mm-hmm. There, there are no genuine human relationships in that, in that uh, show. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it, it's, it's like, it's hatred of everything that's genuine and real and beautiful, right? That's, yeah. that's like, when you analyze that show, that's how you have to look at it. Um, Speaking of uh, Minnesota, Little House on the Prairie is probably the greatest achievement for American television, in my opinion. Do you, do your kids watch that? Uh, they've been reading the books. We, they, yeah. I haven't had them watch the show yet, but it is. You're right. It's like the most wholesome. You should watch it with them. It's so wholesome, and like the uh, <clears throat> the uh, it, like it reiterates like the family structure, masculine yeah. leadership, heroism, yeah. courage. You know the struggle and strenuous nature of life, and it's it's and, great. And America, and it, it just it's a celebration of of yeah. like true Americana of what yeah. was what our people created out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, on that note, I do, uh, I do have to get going here. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, so, I know. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for everybody. We had, mm-hmm. this was a great episode. A lot of great questions. We'll have to do this maybe again in like six months. Uh, yeah, it's fun. This questions pile up and maybe we'll, we'll maybe promo it a little bit more so people can like email and DM us. Maybe uh, I won't change the time next time either. Yeah, no, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Things happen. We, you know, it's tough to manage schedules. Um, so yeah, t- until uh, next week, I think next week we will have, we will have a Christmas episode. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss, uh, uh, we'll save, we'll save this last one, uh, for next time. Uh, cause that's going to be another, you know, 20 or 30 minute uh, <laughs> question to have the mind of Christ. What does that mean? Uh, but, uh, hold that question, Sebastian, hold that, hold that question. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm so thankful for everybody listening, uh, and watching, um, please, uh, share the show, uh, get people to like, and subscribe. It's, it's continuing to grow. It's very, very slow rolling. Uh, we're, we're probably never going to be, you know, million subscriber YouTube stars and that's okay. Like somebody, somebody said, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. They said, uh, yeah, they love, they love the podcast, but we're, we're way too extreme to share with normies. Um, uh, <laughs> like we're holding only- back. If only you do. <laughs> this was extreme. Whoa. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Thank you all for for listening. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, until next time, stay dangerous. And we will see you next time.